Welcome. Good evening. The solutions to problems of conspiracy and conspiracy theory are obvious, and I'm going to give them to you. This is Retrace segment number 37. It's Tuesday, November 1st, 2022 at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific. Retrace is about what's going on out there. I said I was going to talk about solutions. Did I say that? The last segment was about problems of conspiracy theory and conspiracy at the same time. And I think the solutions to one are the solutions to the other. We're talking about gold and silver, lead bullets, and then after that, anything goes. Those are the solutions. What do I mean? Okay, so first of all, conspiracy is, um, let's think of it as a tax on our shared world. Um, and then conspiracy theory is a tax on our shared world model. So it, people conspiring to take over the whatever is an attack on our shared world. People conspiring to make us think that people are conspiring to attack, to take over the whatever. That's an attack on our world model. That's an attack on, you know, the, the mental side of our world. Solutions. Gold and silver. E.O. Wilson says the gold and silver of science is original discovery. I think that's a good way of thinking about what motivates real scientists. And why do we talk about scientists? Well, they're just one profession, but they're an important one in this whole figuring out what's going on out there, business. Um, so the first thing we need to do is align the incentives, or we need to look only where incentives are aligned. We need to look at the work being done by people who have gold and silver to be gained by getting the right answer. Um, and then, as sort of a pinching motion on that, we want to focus only on things that are knowable, things that, like we can't just say, okay, this person is incentivized. We know this person has the incentive to find gold and silver. They're, they're a scientist uh, who's trying to make an original discovery about nature. They're a journalist trying to make an original discovery about the goings-on uh, in City Hall. Um, we also need to focus on the things that they tell us that can be somehow triangulated by other sources or other pieces of evidence. Uh, so focus on what is knowable. We need a standard of evidence or we need you know different standards of evidence depending on the context. Um, and we need to measure belief in degrees. I'm, I'm pulling ideas from Horwich's Probability, Probability and Evidence, a fantastic little book. Uh, measure degree, belief in degree. You don't just believe something. You, you, degree is a matter, ma belief is a matter of degree. Um, we can't forget that. Never completely trust a single source and avoid such such situations uh, because sometimes maybe you have to. If you were crossing a bridge, you wouldn't want to just trust someone telling you that the bridge is sturdy and secure. You would want at least some other pieces of evidence, you know, maybe, uh, you, you know. So, okay, scientists, it's easy. They're trying to make um, discoveries about nature. Journalists, discoveries about the goings-on in a more worldly world. Um, law enforcement officers, I'm not really sure what incentivizes them. Um, lawyers, convictions and acquittals. Uh, politicians, bureaucrats, government agents, I don't know, but we'd have to think it through. Um, all of these professions, uh, in addition to many others, and, and non-professions, um, all have their gold and silver. But they also have ulterior motives. You know, we can always say, oh, well, there, there should be an incentive here, but it's, there's, an, there's a stronger ulterior motive. That's always possible. Okay, so gold and silver, incentive and tests, pinch our evidence and information and beliefs about the world between those two pinchers. Lead bullets. So where we can't have, where we can't find good incentives and good tests for evidence, 
uh, of our beliefs or, or, or lack thereof. We need people, we need standards, and we need tools. We need people, lots of eyes on something. Um, how many are on conspiracy right now? Not many. It's, it's sort of only, only eyes that you wouldn't really want to trust, people who have no public you know, credential background. There's no way to find out whether they're nuts or they're, you know, they're somebody serious. Um, and, you know, that's also a matter of shifting eyes that are currently not on whatever thing you're worried about, either an actual conspiracy or conspiracy theory, shifting eyes away from whatever they are focused on. There are a lot of eyeballs out there focused on a lot of things that are not important. And um, even amongst the things that are important, uh, they, you know, very few of them are focused on things that would fall into the rubric of conspiracy. Then we need standards, an absolute top-notch standard of evidence, including custody of evidence. Again, I go back to Horwich, but, you know, evidence, it's when you're usually looking at text on a page. I mean, that's not, I just read, oh, darn it, I'm going to have to find this now. Uh, oh, yeah, it was in the New York Times. Um, some guy spent, like, years of his life, read, I think, 100,000 papers, um, discovering basically what he called a Photoshop problem in in science and scientific publishing, and he found a lot of photos that were like stretched or compressed or flipped around to make it look like in these published papers that they had photographs of things, you know, microscopic things or plant and animal things or whatever. And, and he figured out that you know, using uh, uh, photo transformations, he could he could prove that these were actually um, falsified photos. Uh, and there's the whole reproduction crisis in science. So again, custody of evidence, standards of evidence, these things um, are lead bullets. Um, we need an absolute top-notch standard of reasoning. Think about Anthony Weston. Think about Richard Feynman on science, strategic intelligence. There's a dozen authors on, um, on strategic intelligence, things like espionage. And, and then, and then philosophy, everything from philosophy to mathematics. I mean, s s the standards of reasoning are, are the utmost and essential. Uh, and, you know, just a constantly asking questions like Yudkowsky's, what do you think you know? And why do you think you know it? I think that's a good way of summing it all up. Finally, we need trustable tools. Recently, um, Sue Halpern for The New Yorker, I think, uh, interviewed Alex Halderman, who is an election voting machine computer science expert. And he says this. Um, basically, he makes the argument that we need risk-limiting audits. Uh, we can't trust these machines. He's been able to hack them for decades, and people don't update software or replace the machines that are hackable. Uh, what a risk-limiting, I'm quoting him now, what a risk-limiting audit does is it has people go and look at the original, hopefully hand-marked paper ballots, and you look at enough of them to rule out with high probability the possibility that the computer outcome is wrong. A risk-limiting audit lets you use technology to count quickly without having to blindly trust that technology, blindly trust that technology to get the right answer. That's what I mean by trustable tools. I realize the vast majority of us are not going to trust statistical anything because it takes some training in statistics to to develop a trust in it, a sense of trust in it, but we shouldn't assume that that's not tractable. There was once a time when most people couldn't read, and then there was a time when most people could read but couldn't do math, and then there was a time when people, most people couldn't do math and couldn't, but uh, most people could do math but couldn't do computer coding, and it's going forward, so, you know, maybe we need to, to up our game in mathematics. Finally, I'll just sort of turn the whole thing on its head. Uh, uh, Ken Thompson, famous computer programmer, Unix guy, C programming guy, um, he wrote a paper. He gave a talk called "Reflections on Trusting Trust." It was it was touring. It was a touring award, touring touring Alan Turing Award lecture. 
uh, it was published in 84 in the Communications of the ACM. It was called, titled on, uh, Reflections on Trusting Trust. And he basically, you know, makes a short argument for these two statements. You can't trust code that you did not totally create yourself. That's sort of his the moral of his story, he says. Um, but uh, perhaps it's more important to trust the people who wrote the software, wrote the code. That's quoting him. Okay, so trusting tools is more complicated than it sounds. Anything goes. These are These are methods. But we don't need methods. You can be against method. Um, Feyerabend, we've already talked about the philosopher of science, anarchist philosopher of science, Feyerabend, arguing that method uh, just offers less than it uh, than it uh, takes away in science. Not everything is science, of course. Not all inquiry is science. And also the, the um, uh, uh, A, A to Z, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, Mark Andreessen, Ben Horowitz wrote The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And The Hard Thing About Hard Things, which is a book about, you know, running running businesses or running startups, building startups. Um, the hard thing about hard things is that there's no formula. There's no pre, pre, there's no prepared answer for the hard things. You have to sort of figure them out yourself. Those two things line up to me. The, again, Firebend's Against Method and then um, Horowitz's The Hard Thing About Hard Things. That's it. We've got amendments and corrections. We'll do them later. Retrace, R-E-T-R-A-I-C-E dot com. References will be in the PDF notes. Uh, This is segment number 37. Next one's tomorrow, same time, 11 p.m., 8 Pacific. Signing off.